on Triple M Mining HQ. Hello and welcome to Mining HQ, your go-to show for everything happening in the mining industry. I'm Pablo Miller. Coming up on today's edition, Chris Lameshia. He's sitting down with Sinead Mangan. Now, she's got a brand new podcast out called The Pink Diamond Heist. How can around $50 million worth of diamonds be stolen from the Argyle Diamond Mine? Well, we're going to find out exactly how and all about the brand new podcast. Good morning, Chris. Hello, Pablo. Good morning to you. And we also want to say hello. She's an executive producer, presenter on Australia Wide and a a fellow podcast host from the ABC, Sinead Mangan. Good morning. Good morning. The Pink Diamond Heist. I've been listening to the first two episodes and I just can't wait for more. It's amazing. It is an incredible story, an incredible story that seems like it's been lifted out of a Hollywood movie, but actually happened here in our backyard in WA, right up in the Kimberley, where millions of dollars of diamonds were stolen right from under the nose of Rio Tinto um, about 30 years ago. But the thing is, Chris, these diamonds have popped up again. So I went on a bit of an adventure, a bit of a treasure hunt to go find them and find out why they're suddenly in recirculation in and around Perth, actually. And uh, and hence, the Pink Diamond Heist podcast was born. All right. Well, let's go back because you and I have a little bit of history. We worked for a resource publisher in the early 2000s. And that's kind of where the story began. You were a journo and you went to the Kimberleys? Yeah, I was. Um, it was right at the start of my career. I worked with Mining News, as did yourself, and I was the, I was the, the journal they sent everywhere. So I went down every <laughs> mine, and you know, there was uh, names that people would know: Tim Treadgold and James Hamilton. They used to send me absolutely everywhere because I was the youngest. So I was, you know, I was footloose and fancy free. <laughs> send me down a mine. Send me to Tassie, wherever they wanted. I was off. So they sent me off to the Kimberley region, and it was in the early two thousands. With a lot of diamond exploration still going on. Everyone wanted to find the next Argyle, essentially. And um, so I was there looking at, you know, gravels and kicking dirt around. You know, I wasn't spitting on rocks, but sometimes, as you know, you do do a bit of spitting on on core sample. And uh, (laughs) the geos started to talk about this story. And they said, oh, Sinead, do you know that, you know, know, over there, just over there in Argyle, we were up in Pernaluna National Park. These millions of dollars of diamonds were stolen. And I, honest to God, Chris, I thought that they were pulling my leg because... There was this thing that I was the Irish Sheila on site. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you could pull a bit of a yarn and, and, you know, maybe I'd believe it. But sure enough, I did ask those that were in the know, did this really happen? And sure enough, it had happened, but not that much was known about it. And I clocked it as a story I wanted to go back to. And sure enough, I have. So let's talk about the mid-80s, and uh, this is what you touch on in the podcast. I think they call it punch-drunk money, big lunches, mm. flashy times. Mm. That's when it was first noticed that the diamonds were stolen, mid-80s? Yeah, so it was, it was the mid-80s. Uh, 1987, actually, is when they originally realised that there was rumours that these pink diamonds were popping up in Europe, and they were unaccounted for. They shouldn't have been there, but, like, because Argyle were very specific about where their pink diamonds um, ended up. So they were the very valuable diamonds. They had a particular kind of path from the mine to Europe to those cutting rooms in Antwerp and were handled very carefully. But suddenly these unclean diamonds were turning up. And it's like, hang on a second, what's going on there? And it turned out then 
they it took many, many years to figure out what's going on. Now, I don't really want to give away the story because people will have to listen to give away, you know, to hear the story. But it is, it's set back in that kind of big hair day of the 80s, you know, Bob Hawke giving people days off because of the <laughs> America's <laughs> Cup. And I, I, like, I, I spoke to a, a name that would be familiar to some mining folk would be Miles Kennedy because they just discovered that huge pink diamond in Angola last week. And this is Lukapa Diamonds. So he's a, he's a character in the podcast because he was a big character around town in the 80s. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, we'd go for these long lunches. You know, we'd be writing up deals and napkins. We'd been drinking wine all day. And a great time was had by all. But also there's a lot of money lost in the 80s as well in press, as you'd know, Chris. So in that period of time, kind of some sketchy stuff went down. And it turns out that, you know, this heist was very much part of that kind of sketchier um, history of WA in the 80s. Before we um, get into the high story without giving too much away, because we've got to get to the podcast to listen to it all, um, there was something interesting about diamonds are woven into the Dreamtime stories. Can you touch on that? I, th- this isn't my story to tell because it, it's very much a First Nations story, But um, and you can hear a, 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 a Gidja woman tell the story in the podcast, Extraordinary, but just to, for people to imagine, it's a story around Barramundi and it's part of the Dreamtime stories. But if you can imagine a Barramundi and the scales of a Barramundi and the colours of that, and then if you can imagine the diamonds that came out of Argyle, and they were the full range of colours. They were pink, they were amber, they were cognac, they were champagne, they were gin and tonic, the whole scales, literally the scales of a Barramundi, and the two are very connected. So Argyle weren't the first to discover diamonds in the Kimberley region of WA. In fact, they were discovered by Indigenous people. There's stories of them being found in streams. And there's this kind of dovetail between these two things. So if we go back to November 2020, the Rio Tinto's Argyle miner was sourcing 90% of, 90% of the world's pink diamonds that then closed, as we mentioned. It's, it's quite a great resource for people to invest in diamonds, even as we speak. Yeah, I mean, the price of diamonds, Chris, have gone, pink diamonds specifically, I think since 2000, 600% they've gone up. So if you have a pink diamond in your in your bottom drawer, you're doing quite nicely for yourself. Thank you very much. And so these diamonds that um, that were stolen back then in, in the late, late 80s, early 90s, they, at the time, it was said that up to $50 million of diamonds were stolen. And... Um, now, can you imagine, given how much the diamonds have increased in price over that time, what that would be worth now? So this diamond heist was, in fact, it was, I mean, was sizable. Uh, obviously, de- how much was stolen depends on who I spoke to because I, I, you get all sorts of stories. So it, so it was this kind of elastic thing depending because I, I do speak to all the people in the box seat of, of what went on. And depending on who I spoke to, depending on what they were willing to reveal about how many diamonds were stolen. But I have actually been able to to piece that picture together. But even if you go on those old figures, up to $50 million of diamonds, that is that would be Australia's biggest diamond heist and it's certainly putting it on a world stage. So you've obviously been sitting on this story for a long time. Why, <laughs> yes, why have you now made it surface? Why did it take so long? Well, I... Like I said, Chris, I really, like I heard about it all that time ago. And I was like, that's a cracking story. Like, I mean, a heist in the middle of the bush. Like we all think of a, a heist as an Ocean's Eleven. You know, you've got your cat burglar suit on, you're, you're dodging your, you know, <laughs> you're dodging your senses, you know, the motion sensors. And, you know, Tom Cruise is kind of, you know, coming down from the ceiling or there's a helicopter being flown. 
But this actually happened right in the middle of nowhere and they pulled it off and it was a serious sum of money. And, and I just always wanted to go back to it. And then last year I heard that a jeweler in Perth had been given um, the opportunity to bid on some of on, on a, a package of diamonds with an interesting story. That's how I heard it first. Sorry, an interesting story. That couldn't be those diamonds that were stolen, you know, all those years ago that I heard about like 20 years ago. And so I gave him a buzz. And sure enough, they were. And he's a similar vintage to me. So he he also was like, it, like it, it's happened in our, in our time, but we would have been very young. We would have been very young when it actually happened. And so he, like me, wanted to find out more. Um, and that kind of set me on this treasure hunt. And then it's, I, I've discovered more diamonds, that these diamonds could be in people's engagement rings because the, the way it all comes to, to pass is very Perth. It's very West Australian. There's people who are in the know. You're only one year log away from somebody else who knows something else. So, uh, and, and that was the beauty of putting this podcast together. Absolutely cracking story and very enjoyable to put together. Sinead, I've got to ask the question, how, how long did it take you to put this together and roughly how many people did you speak to? Oh, I, gosh. <laughs> Tough one. Ballpark um, figure. Ballpark figure. How long did it take? Well, as I said, I heard about the story 20 years ago. I had been working on it. Um, like it was really old school journalism. Like I was in the district courts. I was going through boxes and boxes. These boxes hadn't been pulled out before of what went down in the courts. I think it was 6,000 odd pages that I had to digest there to get the leads to get to the next place because you end I end up in Europe and Antwerp not physically because of COVID but I end up talking to people over there and um, so I don't know I've 30, 40 I don't know how many people uh, there's some obviously main characters that were right in the thick of it but um, it was an enormous amount of research uh, but it turns out the main characters are most of them are here in Perth some went underground as you'd expect they would and we're very surprised to hear from me and very surprised because people knew about the Perth Mint Swindle, Chris, which I'm sure you're aware of. Um, but this story kind of got, and probably because Rio, well, Argyle at the time didn't want, didn't really want it on the front page of the newspaper. So there's nothing written about it. There's not, there's not very much information about it. So I was piecing it together from, you know, going through storage units and that kind of thing. It sounds like most people were pretty keen to chat to you. I was that that really took me by surprise, and um, obviously they were surprised to hear from me. But the what happened really ricocheted through their lives, and it had an impact in all sorts of ways. So to have someone kind of get in touch, who and I spent hours and hours talking to people. I think that kind of there was enough time gone, and um, but also it was a time that they wanted to reflect on that time because. The 80s were a very different time in Perth. And uh, yeah, I was I was quite taken aback by how generous people were about talking about it and what it, what it meant to them and how it changed their lives. Now, the diamonds were sent all around the world to be cut. Is that true? Yes, they were. Um, and I've I've I, I had the experience actually seeing some of them and handling some of them because um, I did find some. Um, uh, so they end up everywhere. And the thing is, because some of the, the fancy pinks and particularly what, what, what you hear through the courts, some of these could have ended up in the Sultan of Brunei's um, collection because the very top end of Argyle diamonds, did the, the, like the very fancy pinks, those vivid, vivid pinks that almost go to the red kind of colour, 
they are they were collectors items and only a very exclusive number of people bid on them and and the sultan of brunei was a known collector of, is a known collector of colored gems so we don't know where they ended up but there's all this speculation about where they might have ended up but they certainly and then i you know auctioneers would talk about these special diamonds that would come through and who would bid for them but it's you know the great thing about the diamond industry is a bit secret squirrel so you kind of you have these great conversations with people about these amazing finds that they found in you know offices in germany dusty old offices and next thing ping this great diamond is found so it's stealth wealth diamonds they've always been kind of an above board thing and an underground thing too so i kind of really get into that world as well what what about this one richard caulfield he was what head of security in scotland yard he was called in he was head of security so he worked at scotland yard and he has this massive pedigree in terms of uh, of his policing career he then was head of security security at argyle when they first set up Argyle, and he went all around the world to set up that security. So he was in De Beers looking at what they did um, in South Africa, and then he was in Geneva and Antwerp, and he, a massive network um, that he had had in the diamond industry on all levels. Um, and it's fascinating talking to him about that. So he was the first to discover through his amazing network that these diamonds were places that they should not be. And he had a very frustrating time trying to crack what was going on. And um, he speaks to me extensively about that. And I mean, this ends up being subject to a royal commission. And, and Richard Corfield was very much, he was one of um, the main uh, witnesses at the royal commission. Um, and it was a very frustrating time in his career because at the end of the day, his investigation was very th- was thwarted by the police. I think that's safe to say. And that's why it ended up in the royal commission on police corruption and um, Fascinating to talk to him, though, and the the extent to which, like, he was talking to customs and the movement of people and where things were going, and and like seeing the old receipts I'm, through freedom of information, I was able to see some of that and um, and what went down there. But he's um he's very funny as well. I think if you listen to the podcast, you realise how hilarious he can be. Uh, so very enjoyable to catch up with him. He's an older man now; he's in his late eighties. So I was very lucky that he was able to have that chat. You must have been so busy putting this together. I believe you examined, I don't know how many, but a whole stack of court papers. Oh, yeah, six, seven pages, I think it was. <laughs> and some of those court pages were missing as well, which was um, mysterious in its own right. And um, yes, it was. But it was days and days and days of, of reading through how it all, it all played out in the courts. And it was hysterical, Chris, because the main culprit, he represented himself in court. And so he would be interviewing a um, a witness who was part of, of the trio. It, was, it ends up being a trio. And he would kind of ask, you know, so uh, why did you do such and such? And they'd replay, replay, they would repeat, they'd go back to him, because you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of thing. It's quite, like, it, it is quite humorous. Now, you've got another section on the podcast. How do you pull off the perfect heist? There's a recipe for it? Would you would you ever think this? This is most peculiar. So um, there is a department of in the United States, uh, an astroscientist I was speaking to, and he wrote a paper for the U.S. government about how how to pull off the perfect heist. Now that means sounds like he's given you kind of a you know a lesson in how to do it. But the reason why they did that was to protect the U.S.'s assets, things like nuclear 
the, you know, important assets to the U.S., that the masterminds of heists, um, particularly big diamond heists, are incredibly clever people, and they take years to plan it. So they, so they wrote this paper to look into the minds and the actions of these people, what, how they managed to do it, how they managed to pull it off, and how you could circumvent that by kind of already appearing into their minds. So it was this incredible paper that was written. And, um, and sure enough, the, the Argyle Diamond Heist has, all of, has the elements of the perfect heist. Uh, so he was able to look at that for me and kind of compare and contrast to, say, the Antwerp Diamond Heist, which is one that people are very well may be aware of. So, and that was fascinating, like that the, the, you know that somebody would have done that. It's crazy. Now, the Pink Diamond Heist podcast. You have encouraged me. I've downloaded the ABC Listen app. How else can we hear it? That's obviously one way. Um, that's one way, and you can hear it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So really, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Some people go to me, oh, I've never listened to a podcast. It's a really great experience, particularly if you're on the road or driving or, um, you know, going for a walk or something, you know, just immersing yourself in a story in a totally different way. Uh, so I strongly encourage just check for Pink Diamond Heist. It'll pop up. It's a very West Australian image that pops up. You won't be able to forget it and just hit subscribe if you could. I'd really appreciate it. Sinead, thank you for your time today. You've been very generous and uh, all the best. Thanks, Chris. For the very latest mining news in WA, stream the Mining HQ podcast. Available now on the Listener app, L-I-S-T-N-R.